0: Hello and welcome to the FEZ show. It is the 21st of May of 2020 and there's still not too much to talk about. It's sort of what day X of lockdown slash quarantine. But we have managed to find some sort of juicy topics to talk about today. So joining me on today's show is the one and only Edward Hunter and the amazing Jack Pickering. Morning, boys. Good morning.
1: Good
0: morning. I'm oh, not Chesney well, Hawks today. No, you're not Chesney. You're not Chesney Hawk. You're the one. Well, not even the one and only. The amazing. I'm just amazing. The amazing super sub host. uh, Yeah. That is Jack Pickering. But boys, let's
1: never mention that again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. So what I want to actually talk about first, obviously, like hair at the moment, like is growing out of control. Um, So have you seen my hair, mate? (laughs) To be fair, I think the head the headset does well to sort of. to sort of keep it down. But yeah, we, the lockdown. Um, well, not- you
2: either let it grow out or you do what I do, which is get your mum to cut it for you because you can't go out to the hairdressers.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm looking forward to, I'm, looking I'm
1: going forward for to full the tramp. I'm going full tramp. You'll see, uh, I'll, I'll post a picture on my Twitter at the end of lockdown to like, see how like the difference is was this yeah. actually what you wanted to talk about Jay?
0: yeah it was actually what i wanted to talk about you know because it's, it's nice to have some general chit chat just to see how everyone is but what i wanted to actually say is is that we are coming to the end of daily sort of chat show videos i know that's sad sad face emojis
2: Uh this is the 30th one as well today
0: yeah so we've done we've done a lot and you know i think we're all really proud of it and, and the community. Um, That has reached out to us and has joined our discord channel has been amazing so it's been amazing to build a community over doing these shows over the course of the lockdown and yeah, we even got some fan-made content big up evan who uh has given us some fan-made content to sort of maybe improve the youtube banners and and twitter so you know big up to that um so it's been really nice but the thing is just because you know lockdown and life is going back to normality that doesn't mean that this is going to end it's just going to sort of it's we say that we're still going to do the race review of the uh abb race at home challenge and you know probably slander that a bit more um and then is it
2: slander if it's true
0: (laughs) well yeah well you never know well hopefully it picks up and fingers crossed obviously from what we released yesterday boys that if if there is a DLC coming tomorrow, if it is ready, that we will be racing on a new track. Otherwise we will be racing at than I need to check actually where I still am in, in the, um, in the leaderboard. Cause I haven't actually done it since the first day. I don't think I can go any faster than I did somehow found three seconds. I don't know where I was going so slow in the, in the previous qualifier but we will be continuing and then possibly in the future once the race at home challenge finishes so that's monday and friday we'll still be sort of there previewing it at some point um the show will be coming out we might do one midweek show a week uh, just to wrap up any key news so it will still continue but as obviously life gets back to normal everyone's sort of back to daily routines of jobs and and just life every day is a bit of a stretch for us at this precise moment but we will be doing something so it's not over um but it will be in a lesser capacity so please, just fizzling out <laughs> it's just fizzling out but it's not dead we are not gonna die because we've enjoyed it i've enjoyed it so much ed i don't know how much you've enjoyed it obviously yeah, i've enjoyed
2: being on it um i feel I feel that if there's a second wave we'll probably end up doing this again another <laughs> few weeks of discontinuously so there's always hope if something the worst happens
0: if there is a second wave which in the uk obviously we don't hope there is a second wave in any country but um you know the thing is we still want to continue this because you know formulary isn't back till you know august september at the earliest so there's still going to be plenty of things to talk about try and get as many people as possible you know just keep talking about formulary otherwise if we let formulary die it's not going to be very good so what i want to talk about first as we get on with the show is manufacturers now we made this point About what sort of manufacturers we'd like to see in Formula E, which is great and we can sort of talk about that and recap that But the question is obviously if you look at Formula 1 with Honda for example They they obviously they used to have a Formula 1 team, but now they're just a pure and out powertrain supply A bit like Renault were before when they were sort of also dipping in and out Formula 1 So I was wondering Jack if Formula E if we might ever see just a powertrain supply just Someone who's actually not created a team because obviously, with 12 teams now, and it's going to be really hard to make a new team, you know, we could see powertrain suppliers, you know, who want to maybe push and have a look at these customer teams and actually try and get into Formula E that way.
1: Well, yeah, one thing that uh, one thing that we must remember is that um, that uh, in, in 2008, when Honda left, uh, they left because of the credit crunch, so so that that team in another world had the credit crunch not happened could still be honda and honda will be done will be dominating all these championships right now but um alas alas they're not and they came back with mclaren in 2015 and now they're powering honda but um but yeah um but yeah i think uh i think it is possible i know that um i know that we've touted for like some like engine manufacturers to like come into for, to come into formula e we um uh we've said a while ago now that maybe chevy should team up with Penske. that that hasn't happened but um but no i think um i think there are there is some space for some other manufacturers to come in uh, not a huge amount of space but they could still come in and they could power some teams
0: that's the problem. That is the huge problem at Formula E. It's not really a problem. It's a good problem to have, It's that there isn't really much space for these manufacturers who want to get who want to jump on the Formula E bandwagon. Uh, but there's no space. Because let's face it, right? We're going to have so many different powertrains anyway because we have so many different manufacturers in the series, like nine. So that only leaves three customer teams. So to, you either become a powertrain supplier for one of those customer teams technically, but then you become a manufacturer team in a sense, you might as well be and get the 15 days testing. But then it would be unlikely, would you then go and power a second team? But then that team has to become a customer team. You could do that because obviously, you know, more more production for you, more R&D, I suppose, resources. But because of Forma and how many manufacturers it's got, it's unlikely that you'd get another powertrain manufacturer like a Ford for example who would just come in and power say like three teams or the rest of the customer teams
2: yeah the thing about the customer team arrangement is it seems especially for me that it seems to benefit the customer more than the supplier in my opinion and you only have to look at say the Virgin team and how they seem to have got a lot more out of the Audi powertrain than the factory Audi team for instance Uh, when it comes to the main question will any manufacturer come in just as a supplier and not a full bona fide manufacturer that makes me think of um, Scudera E and Mr. Jan, is it Gianfranco Bezuto, I yeah, i have got his name right because uh, I've been getting it wrong the last couple of times I brought him up uh, but, um, but Gianfranco's uh, obviously we talked a little bit about his relationship with uh, the Fiat Chrysler Group and uh, potentially getting Ferrari involved it would be really interesting if Ferrari, instead of going full-blown in, they'd say to dip their toe in the water as the supplier to Scuderia E if they took over or heavily invested in one of the existing three um, non-manufacturer teams, which are yeah. Neo, Dragon, uh, one of the other and
0: one And Virgin.
2: That's it, yeah.
0: Yeah, which is, you know, it's interesting. But even if, say, at the moment, there is no talk with uh, Pazuta and Ferrari, he would love it, but there is no talk. Um, he says he has to prove on track to sort of, you know, tempt these Italian manufacturers in, but even if Ferrari didn't want to invest, let's say Ferrari invest, which, you know, Gianfranco spoke about, and it's sort of like a mini preview for the mag that comes out in a couple of days, Um, you know, that becomes like Ferrari's team in a sense, unless, you know, they don't buy the whole team out, in a sense, or don't buy Gianfranco out and, and his partners, so then it would still, it would fall into that category of a manufactured team rather than a, well, it would be anyway, because they're going to create their own powertrain. Um... But, you know, that it still wouldn't be a power, Ferrari wouldn't then be... It'd just be one team rather than powering, say, two or three teams or or not being associated or it's still being, it'd be called Scooter E-Ferrari because, you know, Ferrari just said, look, we're not going to give you all the money, Gianfranco. We're just going to give you the powertrain and you do the rest. We're just giving you the engine. We're just giving you the powertrain. Um, and I, obviously with Formula E, you don't develop the chassis jack. You don't develop the battery. You know, there's so many things that former E-teams still don't do. Um, Obviously, the powertrain is a big part of it, and I suppose that's why we get these manufacturers now, um, you know, jumping on board, because they don't have to spend as much money building a chassis. You know, would, you know, the likes of DS, you know, jump on board, Mahindra jump on board? If they had to create their own chassis, if they had to create their own battery, you know, would they have the finances for that? Maybe not, but because they just have to develop a powertrain, they're like, you know what, we can afford to do this.
1: I don't. I, I personally, I don't think there's any point of de- of developing the chassis. I think the chassis the chassis should stay the same because that's not really important in Formula E. Um, in terms of um, in terms of battery, uh, we have mentioned it before that um uh, that we do think that form, Formula E teams soon they will they will need to do their own battery uh, alongside their own powertrain. Um, I, because that That is the way that we feel is the best way to like move forward and and and, and increase the running of um uh, in increase like moving everything from the racetrack to the road but um but yeah no we we, we don't think it's going to happen that quickly, uh, and I think this whole situation that we 're in that's um that's delayed it even further, but hopefully by say twenty twenty five twenty twenty six or maybe even as late as twenty thirty they can start developing their powertrains because uh because in 15 years time 15 20 years time that is when the petrol ban comes in for a lot of countries so it would make sense for the teams to also develop their uh their batteries and also it might actually make um uh it might actually make manufacturers more interested in formula e than vice versa
0: yeah that's my question now in terms of just to wrap this segment up is like We've got 12 teams and the Formula E is so road relevant, which is great. And, I've, you know, Alejandro Gag has found a product that says this is then, you know, if we get this, we can really explode. And it has exploded. But he's kept it to 12 teams, Ed. And, you know, now there's manufacturers who probably will be jumping at the bit or would be, you know, sort of looking at Formula E, you know, thinking, oh, we, we would like to do this, but there's no space in the inn, effectively. And... You know, they're then weighing up other options that they're doing and and more electric championships are coming out. So therefore, you know, attentions for manufacturers could be swayed elsewhere, for example, than Formula E. So I suppose in in truth, it's going to be really hard to see manufacturers really commit to Formula E who are not already in it because there's just basically no space for them.
2: Yeah, you would need someone to pull out. The only big one that's kind of pulled out from my memory is Renault and they... But basically swapped in their sister brand, which is Nissan, because obviously they're all owned by the same group basically in France. So um so although even though Nissan is obviously a Japanese company, but anyway, I digress. Uh yeah, I, I think it's sort of the case of well, the the original teams that sort of got in, in the early couple of seasons have sort of got their places kind of locked in and it's gonna be difficult to sort of push them off their perch. Especially like um, a team like Mahindra, for example, they may not be the most well-known manufacturer in the world, but they specialize in electric vehicles, especially compared to, say, a manufacturer, a bigger manufacturer like Mercedes and Porsche that have joined us. Yeah, maybe they're better known, but they have not got as nearly as many EVs. So I mean, just, there's still definitely a place for a team like Mahindra or even smaller teams like, say, NIO or, or Dragon in Formula e.
0: Yeah, Mahindra are a great example. It'd be great to probably speak to the um, actual owner of Mahindra and Ad Mahindra, actually, because I remember speaking to Dilbag Gill about, you know, is this the opportunity for Mahindra now to really break it into Europe? Um, and, you know, Dilbag, you know, he said, I don't know, it's obviously it's the aim, we'd love that to happen, but whether it would happen or not, I, I don't know.
1: Well, yeah, I think it. I, uh, I think one thing that's worth pointing out is one thing One thing that we've mentioned on this show a couple of times is that we believe that there are three teams that want out or want to, well, or want to one, be part, or want one, to be partnered up with scooter with scooter Eerie, yeah. which means that one of the which means that one of the manufacturers might leave the sport sometime soon so it, it so, so so it might be a case of okay one manufacturer out one manufacturer in but yeah it all depends on who that team is
0: and we'll find that very soon. So just to clarify that, it's one team that definitely wants up for sale, and there's two teams that want partnered. Of those three teams we know, two of them create their own powertrain, so therefore two of them are manufacturers. But whether or not they want investment or not, or want out, we don't know. And the other team... Is the customer team? So I think there's one customer team, but we have to remember Dragon also create their own powertrain. So if it was Dragon, for example, then they're not a manufacturer in a sense. It's sort of just a manufacturer race team in a sense. It's not a car manufacturer in a sense. Um, so that could also sway what actually happens. But they are technically a manufacturer. But they, you know, they're probably taking a slot that's probably not needed in a sense. But maybe Dragon might want to argue the case that. You know, it is needed. Um, but when, you, I don't know, Ed, what do you think on that? Because when I think about it, even now and saying that, to me, it just sounds silly. Why would you, that's why Virgin stopped making their own powertrain um, once, well, they got DS in and they basically said, well, we're not going to make our own powertrain. We might as well become a customer team because what's the point of making a powertrain we don't make cars?
2: Yeah, I guess so. Uh, in terms of like which team teams might be looking to sell or I think every team is a bit hard up for investment right now, especially with no races going on. So you could definitely understand why some of the smaller teams would be, uh, more willing to sort of take any money from wherever it's coming from really at this point.
0: Um, yeah. So, and then financially, that's what we want to go on now because obviously the Jaguar I-PACE trophy yesterday became the first sort of, you know, well, championship casualty is probably the right word. Um, of covid 19 obviously dtm as well but in terms of our world our little bubble of electric vehicles um our electric heads um in our sort of little sphere um you know the jaguar pace drop, trophy dropped out won't be running in, in in next season and you know we're thinking about how has this affected Formula E financially like if i go through some of the more american sports actually um who are potentially going to do their sports without any fans this season like the NFL for example they say that ticket sales because of the lack of ticket sales and fans in seats they're going to lose about 5.5 billion um in MLB which is baseball um you know players are taking cuts and then well there's apparently there was a cut already and then they have to take another cut because there's potentially going to be no fans so they're probably going to be playing this season in COVID-19 pandemic uh issues for example health issues for about 25 percent they're saying then they would have actually got paid if it was under normal circumstances so they're not happy simply because of that because they're not going to get paid the contract that they they signed up so you know it's affecting their big numbers especially the nfl with 5.5 billion so and formula reject you know a series that hasn't really made money um over its first six seasons and, you know, it started, obviously, to pick up, nearly went bankrupt probably once or twice, especially in the first season, it nearly went under. And, you know, us going to a couple of races, even potentially races next season, we don't know yet. You know, they could be behind closed doors and that could impact Formula E massively financially.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think this, Um. Uh, I just think this whole situation, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's terrible for all most sport classes, to be honest. Um. One thing that I do know is that W Series is definitely not going under. So if they can do it, then I'm pretty sure Formula E can do it as well. So, um, and, 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 I'm not saying that because I, I'm not saying that all Formula E is better, but what I'm saying is that W Series is only one year old. And so if they can do it at one year old, I reckon Formula E can do it at six or seven as well. I mean, like, Formula E is now like a little kid. W-, w series is still a baby, so should I suppose it should be able to to, to survive.
0: I suppose I, I obviously I think Formula E will survive, but there's gonna be implications for, for the series in terms of cost and it depends on how much money they had on the bank, you know, before this all started. And if it if the bank balance wasn't looking good before it started, you know, what what could we lose, you know, you know, and it's also the teams. You know, ones of the team's bank balances, Ed, weren't in a good place. Why, maybe, why are we losing DTM? You know, obviously that championship was in a good place financially. It was losing manufacturers. And and, and now it's gone. And that's a huge, huge championship in Germany. And across the world, like, it was respected. And, you know, that's gone under. I know Formula e have got, you know, fun, well, decent listed manufacturers. And you'd hope it'd be in a good position to thrive. But... You know, not selling tickets is a massive part of making money for Formula E and, and it's gone. And, you know, how many races can Formula E do that without actually making any money from race tickets?
2: Yeah, exactly. And uh, DTM, I think you're right. Uh, it shouldn't really be. We can't really make the point strongly enough that the DTM going under is like a really huge thing. It's almost like in the UK, if British, the British Touring Car Championship went under, it's almost unthinkable, really. At least it would have been a few years ago, Um yeah, I, to the teams, it's really I, from what I've read they're sort of like even like five hundred euro invoices they're having to keep an eye on. They're trying to make sure that every euro they've got, they they don't need to spend, they don't spend. So it's really a case of making sure that the teams stay solvent, I guess, during this what's going to be a, a pretty rocky period before things restart again. And it would be a real shame to lose, especially one of the. The smaller teams and uh, I, I think Formula are doing enough to, to keep them afloat but whether they're going to be you know competitive when things uh, start up again or the manufacturers start spending uh, we'll have to see because some of them like Neo for example was struggling a lot already.
0: And Formula are nervous you know, they are nervous about this. And you can tell that by this two-year powertrain cycle and, you know, the long-term initiatives that they're setting, Jack, about, you know, where this sport and where this series will go in the future. And that's still all up for debate in terms of whether we go back to a one-year cycle and we create a powertrain every year, whether we keep it the two-cycle forever, or even a three-year powertrain cycle, which sounds mad because you're suspecting you're with the amount of little... The little emphasis former reteams can make, you know, on the rest of the car, if you keep with the same powertrain for three years, it feels like, or even two years, that this, the championship will become quite stagnant. So, but straight away, when they re- released that, that's, that's a, to save costs. And would that have happened without COVID-19? Who knows?
1: Well, yeah, I think the uh, I think what Formula e have done in terms of making a two-year cycle for the powertrains, I think that's the correct decision for the moment. Whether they need to extend that or whether they need to um, go back to it at, at, at some point and change it around, I think that's something that they need to focus on in a couple of years' time, when uh, when when this two-year staggered cycle thing comes to uh, comes to end at see at the end of the season. Eight, I think, but um, but yeah, it yeah, it's um, uh, but yeah, I think what they're doing is right. Uh, I I mean, as as much as I want to see the Gen Two Evo car on, on track, if it if it comes to a point where we can't because of um, uh, but because of financial reasons, if they make the Gen Three car uh even better looking than the Gen Two Evo car, then I'm more than down for that. Um. But, um, but yeah, I think yeah this whole this whole situation I, um no one really expected it i mean I, I i didn't i I don't think anyone really realized how far that this would actually go when we heard about it in december but um but, yeah, no, I think formula e right now they're doing the right things, um and yeah, I think that's something to review in a few years' time,
0: yeah, but it just shows of how they thought you know financially, okay, we need to tighten the belt. Ed. And there's obviously there's other ways that, you know, people are suggesting right now that, you know, Formula Re could save costs and, and other things that they could potentially do in the future, you know, to to keep it running. So we don't die. So the series doesn't sort of just come to a to a stop.
2: Absolutely, Jack. There's a lot of talk about uh, standardized parts and like using power, everyone using powertrains, that are, like, the same hardware, but different software in order, well, multiple teams, like you say, two or three teams that use some of the same suppliers anyway for a lot of their uh, bits in their powertrain. And it, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, that I, think there's, I think there's understandably a lot of resistance because it would mean that, you know, in terms of uh, you can't change a hardware each season, it sets back the progress a little bit. But on the other hand, it's a great way to save costs because one of the most expensive things in a Formula e team is basically building and developing a powertrain uh, for each season.
0: And that's, and I suppose, Jack, I suppose, you know, yes, if we went not standardised parts, you know, okay, yeah, that saves costs. It saves costs because everyone, and it makes the championship a bit more competitive. You think season one, we were racing all in the same cars. But my question is, is obviously Formula E is a technological sort of series. It needs to ad- advance that technology in terms of EV cars. And if we do start really standardizing parts, even within the powertrain, I know that saves costs. But then, you know, where are we making gains in terms of, you know, that 2040 target where we want electric vehicles to be ready, matching petrol cars? And, you know, that that transition period is. Um, is is over and is smooth effectively towards electric vehicles rather than you know just jainted on in not being ready yet.
1: Well, yeah, I think, um, uh, well, m- most formulae is, uh, is is standard parts already, and um, uh, and so, yeah, I would, um, and so, yeah, I think that they would want to continue along this route for a while. And as I said, the whole powertrain stays as it is for, for a while. I think, I think that should be fine. Um, I don't see uh, I don't see much wrong with it um, but yeah um, but yeah. No, I think that they uh, I think they should keep it as it is I think that's the correct yeah they they should quick decision and yeah as I said when they want to have a go at doing the battery stuff um, maybe delay it by a couple of years now maybe try for that yeah mid to late of the of this decade and then and then, and then go from there but we'll, I, su- I reckon we will catch up we will catch up to the 2040 deadline
0: I f- I hope so I really hope so but I think it depends also I suppose how formulary e develops now the manufacturers in the series will have a big sway on that in the future let's talk about you know the likes of mercedes Porsche. okay they haven't been in it long but even the likes of audi nissan which is also sort of renault in a sense you know they will begin to start swaying formulary e and what you know dictating what formulary e does Um, because if they want to start creating their own batteries and they'll push for it and if they think they've got the money to do it they'll sort of present arguments and say to Formula E this is what we want to do you know is that going to be helpful for the cost of the sport no but if these manufacturers want to do it I have a feeling in the future you know they will sway Formula E in terms of which way they go in terms of the technical roadmap of of the series
2: yeah, and what would be really interesting is to see Jaguar, have, especially having just lost the Ipace E Trophy support series, whether uh, that's changed their tact. Because I'm not saying that Jaguar are in financial difficulty. In fact, before the pandemic, they were making actually um, they're actually making a bit of money and doing quite well. So it'd be interesting if, um, especially with uh, I don't want to put too make too big a point out of this, but there's obviously. Uh, apparently this little thing called Brexit that's supposed to happen at some point later this year, our original schedule. But but yeah, that might uh, impact Jaguar's thinking as well because they're based in Coventry, aren't they? So, yeah. yeah.
0: So, uh, I suppose there's, there's so many things financially that are up in the air, but I do believe that, you know, the longer the Formula E goes on, the more the manufacturers will begin to say, you know what, we want this to happen now because you know x y and z reason we're getting close to 2040 we want to start creating our own in-house batteries and and formulary will help us do that um or or you know we even discussed it on a couple of shows jack you know instead of opening the tender to just one person you know those manufacturers that say they want to do it they say fine right we'll open the tender to two or three batteries and then you have to sell the battery to the formulary teams and you you get like instead of like a powertrain supply you also have a battery supply so you you know imagine being a customer team and you've got uh, you you buy mclaren's battery for example but you also buy jaguar's powertrain for example you have a right mismatch between different powertrains or would it come in a Set. i know i'm throwing it out there like some random thing but it'd be it'd be pretty funny to see like a random customer team let's say scuderia e who let's say they become a customer team um deciding to take one of that and one of this
1: yeah yeah i'm looking forward to see the envision virgin audi Citroen um <laughs> in coming coming in a, in a few years time but no i think yeah um yeah i think definitely if if, it, uh, if there is like a tender for um uh, for it, it it may work because some because some manufacturers may not want to do it but, uh, to, some manufacturers may want to wait a bit so maybe have a tender for a few years and then do another tender and then do another tender and so on and so forth until everyone until uh, just keep on going just keep on going until everything's big but yeah no thought for, yeah, no, for, formula e will it is it, we has already it's already been shown that formula e is helping the the development of um of rate of racetrack to road te- uh, technology with electric vehicles, and yeah, I think that would only just uh, that that would just only develop it further.
0: And think about it, right? Even if we get some battery competition, even if it's just opened ed to one other manufacturer, so the tenders, McLaren, and let's say Mercedes, yeah, then straight away, you know, you're gonna because. McLaren will want to produce the best battery and Mercedes will want to produce the best battery. So straight away, there's competition and competition fuels, fuels if I can say it, um, improvements. And and by just having one extra person in that tender being accepted, you know, we could really move battery technology along.
2: It's ver- that's very true. I think that's a good point. But the other thing it does is it would raise costs through the roof. It's one of the reasons why in Formula One, there's no longer a tyre war. They have a controlled tyre manufacturer that supplies tyres to everyone because... In the early 2000s, the tyre war between, I think, Michelin and Bridgestone was just through the roof. In a way, it's another thing that I'm kind of glad e, we only have Michelin as a controlled tyre supplier to everyone as well. Although that's not relevant to what you were saying, that's just what makes me think of.
0: I remember, actually, Goodyear uh, came out with a tyre or came out with a design for a tyre that basically helped regen um, you know, basically help the regen staff was really good for battery efficiency. This was what they were arguing. And I, I remember writing an argument, um, if a tire in informally would be good, you know, could we actually develop a tire that helps, you know, regenerate energy? Um, and I remember Daniel apt commenting, no, um, (laughs) but, um, I
2: think Daniel's got a good point
0: down. Yeah. Like Daniel app said, no, so it didn't happen um but you know it was amazing to see what goodyear was sort of saying look this is what you could potentially do just with a tire and a wheel and 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 so forth and 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 using technology i don't know i can't remember it was years ago that it came out but it was just amazing that goodyear said look you could do something like this with a tire and and help you know even the tires helping you save energy and, and and improve the range of the um of the actual powertrain. So boys, moving on to the sort of last sort of thing, talk about to sort of wrap up today's show. We've been wanting to talk about this topic probably since the beginning of the show actually um started, which was our best track but we've never actually we never actually got round to deciding if we do a top five or or just a random sort of our own top five tracks, but we've decided just to pick one track. Okay? So I'm gonna throw over to Ed first. Ed, so what would your best track be?
2: We've had a lot of really good tracks over the years and um, some of which sadly aren't on the calendar anymore, but would be like, are, are, are looking to come back. And that's one of the ones I picked for or the one I picked rather, which is uh, Buenos Aires, the Puerto Madero street circuit. It's got, it's very fast. It's very flowing. It's really good for overtakes. We, I don't think we ever really had a particularly bad race there. Every race there I can remember at least something that happened and, um, yeah, I think it's missed on I think it went off the calendar because of construction issues. But uh, my favourite race there would probably be season two, where especially Bernie started the back, got up second, and Sandberg held everyone up, just and won the race despite having the heaviest powertrain imaginable to man behind it.
0: Yeah, I remember Buenos Aires was a was a great track, and I remember Andrew Vandenberg who was working at Formula at times, said if there's one place you want to do a long haul flight to, it was definitely Buenos Aires. Um, Jack, where did you ch- choose, or what did you choose?
1: Long haul flight too because you have to go on a two-hour trip later, as I found out. Uh, is if you want to go flying to Montevideo and take the trip to Punta del Este. I, I love this track, it it it, it was typically fantastic things with Formula E. Um, it, it, it was supposed to be Formula E's Monaco, it had that amazing fat-out turn 13. Uh it it always produced good racing, and yeah, i I desperately want to go. Back there, even if, even if everyone has to put up with a two-hour coach trip from Montevideo to there, I, I, there are a few honorable mentions as well, like Preacher Jire and, um, and 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 uh, Montreal and Moscow and stuff like that. But yeah, we haven't got time for that. So.
0: Yeah, no, for me it was Rome. I I don't know. I just obviously the tracks that you've picked, I would have probably would agree that they are pretty good tracks. But I really like Rome. It has, sort of just has the fast flowing section you know they're downhill a good undulation chains the massive jump that they've got to go through but then it's also tight and twisty so it's got a bit of everything Rome so I went for Rome I thought a bit outside the box but boys we've managed to do it we've managed to come to the end of the show um probably our last midweek sort of random news review and the topical discussion for a while so thank you so much for coming on. I've really enjoyed your company over these last month.
2: Oh, no worries, Jack. I'm sure we'll see Jack again soon.
0: Yeah, tomorrow. Because we've got a show tomorrow (laughs) where we're going to wait. The show, I don't know what time it will go out, actually... Um, live because we're going to wait for the announcement of this track thing and then we're going to do it then because there's no press conference so today so they didn't give us a sort of heads up of what it was going to be so we're going to wait find out what it is, discuss it, look at formularies, long term plans and go from there so thank you so much for watching, if you have liked the content, uh, please hit that like button and that subscribe button and if you want to come and join us in our discord channel, hit the link below you have been watching the FEZ show thank you so much for watching goodbye